0: Well, this morning, guys, um, it's my privilege to introduce just a really good friend. He's one of our table leaders here, former business owner, leader in the community, leader in his family, leader of men, um, just a super guy. And some of you know him, some of you don't, but hopefully you'll get to know him. But he's bringing the message this morning. And would you please welcome my friend, my brother, Mike Cooley. Come on down, Mike. Thanks, brother. Right. Good morning. Uh, just a little business before we uh, get going into the message here. Uh, there's a book table back there. If uh, anybody is inspired to buy the book, they're fifteen dollars a piece or two for tw- uh, two for twenty-five. So, Randy Don said uh, a few months back. He said books are a tool, and. Uh, Take a look at how the message on forgiveness, which is all throughout this book, can maybe help yourself or be a gift for someone else. So just give that some thought. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of men and listeners all around the world. God, we just thank you for your blessing. May it be your word that's spoken today. In Jesus' name, amen. As a kid growing up in the 60s, we delivered newspapers, fished in the creek, we played baseball, rode bikes, and played outside until the streetlights come off. A lot of us can probably relate to that. My oldest brother, uh, Steve, he ran his uh, three-street paper route like a union boss. I think we worked for five cents a day, seven days a week, rain, shine, or in three feet of snow. He said, you can do a lot with 35 cents a week. Steve was 13, I was seven. You just did what you were told. We threatened to strike, but we never did. It might have been time to renegotiate the contract. Later on in life, my brother Steve became a very successful businessman and uh, an incredible leader within his company. I can honestly say I'm real proud that he paid his workers fairly. (laughs) However, early on, we developed a good work ethic and understood the value of a, uh, a day's work. I can say I'm truly blessed to have been raised in a family where my mom and dad loved each other. They modeled a stable home environment, for our family, and family was, and still is, a solid foundation for my life. Even with this family structure as kids, we ventured into several areas of mischief, never getting into real trouble, but coming close to crossing the line more than once. Teenage hormones were alive and well within our close group of friends, and often compromised the family values from which we came from. I transitioned into my first real job responsibilities when I was 16. This allowed me to purchase my first car, 1966 Plymouth Belvedere. I paid $200 cash. <laughs> my work consisted of stocking dairy supplies in a local grocery store. I was one promotion above a grocery bagger. I was living the dream at 16. On one particularly hot and humid August day, my shift started at noon and was supposed to end at 10 p.m. Little did I know how much this night would affect me throughout the rest of my life. The store itself wasn't air conditioned. However, I would find relief from the heat by going into the coolers when I restocked milk and other dairy supplies. The manager on duty that night was Walt. Walt was a grandfatherly figure that all of us looked up to. Another coworker, Jim, and myself stayed after to help count the cash mop up the floors. Jim stayed with Walt to take care of the money while I cleaned up the floors. The clock said 10, 10 PM. With the doors locked, the store lights dimmed, one light illuminating, illuminating the stockroom. I began to rinse out the bucket in the corner mop sink. The next 48 minutes were the most traumatic I've ever experienced in my life. I was bent over, uh, uh, I I bent over to dump the dirty mop water, and like a well-rehearsed movie script, two men overtook me. In one swift second, I had a knife at my throat, and another to my spine. My hands were held behind my back, and my hair being pulled to make me look up to the ceiling. I felt fear go through me like a lightning bolt. The seconds passed into minutes, I soon realized these were two brothers, and they were both high on drugs. One was absolutely out of control, and the other one was just a little bit more level-headed. I'm very thankful for the level-headed brother. No one could have imagined that the robbers had hid themselves in the stockroom darkness. My words will never completely be able to describe the fear I felt. Thoughts raced through my mind at a thousand miles an hour. I'm a hostage. They're killing me. Oh, my parents, I'm dying. I messed up my life. My life is not right with God. And oh God, oh God, I need you. The really bad one held my head toward the ceiling by pulling my hair, hollering profanity-laced words into my ears. Let's kill him, kill him, he said over and over so we can get to the cash. As I felt the knife blade shifting across my throat from one side to the other, and the other knife against my spine, I was completely defenseless. I was just trying to stay alive, and there moment by moment made up plans. I was scared for my life. I asked God to forgive me. Get me out of here, and I will serve you the rest of my life. I did what I knew at that time. The Holy Spirit put steps into motion. I reached out to God to make things right. That my friends was and still is the fastest conversion known to man. Trauma expert Bob Vanderpoel stated, the rush of adrenaline and other chemicals in the moments of extreme crisis can instantly bring a person to a hypervigilant highest of highs and then the crash of fatigue, feeling numb, and then stop lethargic. Sometimes that transition happens quickly and is alarming to the person in and of itself. The stress was so high, I could feel like my head was going to explode to being sleepy within seconds of each other. I don't understand this, but I felt it all at once, over and over throughout my ordeal. Deuteronomy, 31-8 says, he will never leave you or forsake you. The minutes passed and they're planning and they found some rope and they tied me up. My hands tied behind my back and my ankles tied together. Then having me hop about 75 feet across the stockroom floor all while the knives were pressed against me. Their plan was to lock me away to get to the cache. They decided the dairy cooler was the best place for me. They shuffled me in and closed the door. I could hear heavy boxes being pushed against the front of the door. I was now alone and locked inside the dairy cooler. I'm alive, I thought. This was the first miracle I experienced in my newly found faith. Later, I found out that the robbers had spent so much time on me that the safe was closed before they could get to the cache. The police arrived with guns drawn. I was untied and the robbers were caught later that night. The bad guys were caught and going to prison. All is good, right? Not really. For 40 years, I kept my story down deep inside of me, literally sharing it with no one. At that time, we didn't go to counselors. For that matter, we didn't even talk things out. We locked it up. I'm sure this was common practice in families back in the mid-70s. Even later, however, I did not open up about it, not even to my own children. Not many knew that there was a mystery in my past. I just never really talked about it. Some 40 years later, I still wake up to nightmares with a knife pressed against my throat and being held against my will in the darkness. My wife, Robin, encouraged me to write this out as a means to process through the trauma. To those that have read my book, The Power of Forgiveness, you now understand how difficult it was for me back in Chapter 1, Walking into the Darkness. In 2012, I did a closed store building inspection in the city of Detroit. These facilities often had no electricity, no working lights, and were sort of a homeless encampment And the dark environment quickly brought back memories of the robbery and reigniting fears. A few years back, we were flying to Florida for our January anniversary vacation. Sitting back in my seat, the plane leveled off at what I would think would be around 30,000 feet. My wife is laughing and enjoying a movie, and I'm beginning to write. The Holy Spirit speaks to me and says... Forgive those who have hurt you like I have forgiven you. I confess to you, I rejected that thought. I mean, I really, really rejected that thought. I believed it was much easier to remain angry and bitter at those that have hurt me. Sitting back in my seat, a few minutes later, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Michael, I love you. Forgive those that have hurt you like I have forgiven you. The moments passed and the toughness began to fade away. Forty years of tears and pain and heartache began to leave me. I prayed for the men who robbed the store that night. I forgave them. I asked God to bless them wherever they were, in in prison or wherever they may be. The plane ascended, what felt like a thousand pounds was lifted from my shoulder. This was an incredible miracle, and was a release of the chains of that moment that were holding me down. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. To think back, it's so much easier to stay mad, resentful angry and to carry their uh, hatred feelings to those that have hurt us This grows deep into our identity and how we speak and to whom or if we can trust again We all know people who repeatedly tell stories of unfaithful spouses hurts and abuse and who people who are cheated on in business deals and on and on their personalities carry the identities of the past in their everyday living like chains tied onto weights In this, they are never fully free. When we are confronted with the truth, we are faced with a decision to change our direction from the past, from being a victim, to surrendering it all, to the cross and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some years back, I set a goal to walk 500 miles during my exercise program. I had an app on my phone that recorded my strides and times on the track at the YMCA. I realized that if I did something as simple as looking at the clock on the wall, my times would slow down by a few one-hundredths of a second. If we continue to look back at the hurts and abuse in our lives, we cannot move forward with the life that God has created us to have. Looking to the side, looking back only slows us down and distracts us from our healing and from turning our tragedy into our testimony. Forgiveness never excuses the wrongs. Forgiveness doesn't pretend something never happened. Please understand this. By no means am I making light of any abuse and hurts of this world. They are tragic and tremendous to each of its victims. Trauma affects everyone in different ways. For this reason, seek professional services as needed and necessary. We cannot continue to look back at what could have been and what should have been. We must set our compass on the cross of Jesus Christ, share our story of overcoming when it's appropriate, but refuse to go back and live there. Like many listeners today, I was trying to make sense of the moments the months and the years following my crisis, the residual left is my innocence is now gone, unfairly stripped away at the hands of my robbers. Once living life as a happy go lucky teenager, now a doll, was tarnished by their acts of aggression. I carried the burden of anger, fear, and shame for almost 40 years. Throughout my robbery experience, I felt shame because I wasn't able to defend myself. I was jumped from behind and I was literally defenseless. Forgiveness is a process to the individual. And let me say this, the sooner your forgiveness starts, the sooner your healing begins. Forgiveness is not a feeling, an emotion, and forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is a Christ-centered decision that begins at the foot of the cross I'm not defined by my past mistakes hurts and abuse but rather my future in Jesus Christ Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future you see I needed forgiveness for my sins I needed to submit my heart to God, therefore I gave my life to Him, and I needed to have my heart made right with Him. The Holy Spirit began to work inside of me where I could forgive those who had hurt me just as Christ has forgiven me. When I was 15, my brother Phil and I and friend Mark packed our bow hunting gear so that after school we could drive outside of town and find a place to hunt. I was in the backseat of Mark's 1971 Red Ford Fairlane as we drove the country roads looking for the place to hunt. I said, I said, that's the place pointing to a farm. I jumped out to ask permission and we hunted until dark. That day began a 45 year relationship with the farmer. His name was James. James was the most hardened and calloused man I have ever met. Most, if not all, of his sentences were full of negativity and filled with profanity. As the years passed, Brother Phil and I would cut, split, and stack six to eight cords of firewood to heat his home throughout the cold Michigan winters. This is really hard work. After knowing James for about ten years, he began to trust us would begin to open up about his past. During a woodcutting break, he shared that he lost a son at eight years old to a childhood illness. He spoke about the painful hospital stays and eventually the boy passing away. The hurt was evident in his eyes as he spoke. As James continued, he shared more hurts. Another one of his sons was 25 years old, riding on a motorcycle, and he was hit broadside. He was killed instantly. The son was married with two daughters at the time of his death. James said, why didn't God protect him? Why? Does any one of us have answers to those questions? James' internal pain was real and deep within his soul and often came out through his rough language. James shared the story of his two granddaughters. He cherished these girls. You see, it was their dad who was killed on the motorcycle. This was the most painful story for him to share. His words were almost impossible for him to speak. His brother, Phil, and I listened. The oldest granddaughter had just received her driver's license. She took her younger sister for a ride on some country roads. Maybe she was driving too fast, or simply lacking experience. The skid marks on the pavement showed where she lost control of the car, then rolling the car several times and killing both girls instantly. One granddaughter was 16 and the other granddaughter was 12. The heartache was lived out in the everyday reality of James' life, where dreams are broken, and lives that were full of promise were cut short, leaving James with a deep, deep heartache in his soul. I think it was hard, if not impossible, for James to be happy or thankful for anything. James carried lifetimes of grief, unable to think past the losses of his, in his family. We prayed, we showed love, we cared for James year after year. He was consistent in his rejection of our efforts, of us sharing our faith. We didn't take the rejection personally. This was our mission. James had the hardest of walls, built around his heart the Holy Spirit is gentle consistent and true our prayers were God we ask that James would not perish without knowing you as his Lord and Savior I think we can all reflect on difficult people that we know in life I encourage you to keep praying never stop keep believing for a breakthrough for the walls to come down around the broken and calloused hearts. The lines on his face had decades of unimaginable pain buried within them. No words had to be spoken to understand that the pain had turned into anger, and the anger had turned into outright bitterness. The collateral damage in James' life was 55 years of marriage ended in divorce and other family relationships were shattered well beyond repair. James blamed God for all of his troubles. As the years passed into decades, James was now into his 80s. Brother Phil and I took him to doctor's appointments, grocery stores, and had him over for holiday meals and helped care for him. But God had a plan of redemption. God had a plan of redemption for the healing of a broken heart where the enemy came to rob, to steal, and destroy a man. The Holy Spirit took a very hardened man with a lifetime of pain. And in the end, the Holy Spirit brought his life into peace, forgiveness, and salvation. Late on one Friday night, the call came from the nursing facility. James had passed into eternity and into the arms of Jesus from the 15 year old boy who said from the backseat, that's the place. This was no surprise to God. Sometimes forgiveness is a decades long journey. It's an amazing feeling to be used by God where a life was changed for eternity. I'll begin closing with a few examples uh, excuse me, a few excerpts from my book, The Power of Forgiveness, chapter 19, an open letter to my robbers. I close my book with this idea that if I never met these guys, I would put it out there, exposing my heart and making myself vulnerable for these feelings. Matthew 6:14 and 15, for if you forgive other people when they have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins." This, is the most, this was the most difficult chapter for me to write and is the most difficult for me to share with each of you. It is deep and very personal. Please listen to the words carefully and apply these principles to your life. Forgiveness is something that you bring before the Father. It is personal between him and you. And when you do, your healing begins. As I write this today, it's been exactly 42 years since my robbery night. The trauma of that night will live with me as long as I live on this earth. From my heart I say to them, I have forgiven you for the hurt and shame that you have caused me. It's important that you know this. It is through my personal relationship with Jesus Christ that I have moved on and laid this at the foot of the cross. Forgiveness is my final act of caring for someone who has hurt me more deeply than anyone could understand. I care because Christ has called me to do this. Nothing more and nothing less. As you entered the store and then hid in the darkness of the stockroom, my God had another plan. A plan of salvation for me it is where I met him in a close and very personal way if I didn't choose to forgive today I might have become a miserable angry and bitter man I chose forgiveness in the life and the freedom that it provides one day I'll stand before God the Father and give an account for my life the good times and the difficult times How could I answer him with pain and bitterness and anger and holding resentment in my heart? I found Jesus in the heat of the moment and I have made good on my end of the deal. My love for Jesus flows deep into my soul. Nothing can separate me from the love of my God. This is and will be the best of my victim's experience. Through it all, God has been loving and kind And my source of peace and comfort in literally thousands of difficult circumstances. And we have shared some amazingly great days. As I am a husband, a father, and a grandfather to my family. Yes, a thousand times yes, my God is so good to me. For the last 40 years, I have been on an incredible faith walk journey. And Jesus has walked with me each and every step of the way. By writing about this is freedom for me, complete and amazing freedom for me, and maybe for you too. You see, each person has been hurt by somebody in this world. My hope is that you hear this and you'll find it in your heart to forgive the people that have hurt you. The hurts of this world are deep and personal and very personal to you. By sharing this is my effort to see something good come out of my personal tragedy. I pray that my robbers find forgiveness in their hearts with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that their lives are made right. My hope is that they have learned from their experience in prison time and are made new in a relationship with Jesus Christ today. I encourage every listener to examine their hearts from childhood abuse, from not being cared for, from absent moms and dads, unfaithful husbands and wives, to the drunk driver who killed a child or a family member or close friend, to the moms who chose to give up their babies in difficult times, or to the moms who never knew them at all, whether it is the thousands of circumstances of hurt in this world of cruelty toward innocent victims, or to the one thing in your heart that still hurts, I encourage you to bring it to the cross. Most of all, find forgiveness for your sins and make your heart right before God. This is the day of salvation. This is your day, my friend. Unload the thousands of pounds of hurt, guilt, and living life for yourself. Invite Jesus into your heart today. Ask for forgiveness. He is ready to forgive you no matter what you have done. There are no circumstances that can change his love for you because he loves you so much, just the way you are. This my friends is the power of forgiveness.